Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsparts.ie. And together we are the Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> everybody we are raw pet medics good evening we are here with dr connor brady how have you been good good very 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 busy week you know usual um so just just mob not helped by this topic tonight because what should be a very simple easy <laughs> subject as always you just scratch underneath the surface and it's like oh my god and it isn't it isn't it so isn't it it's just it's not uh, what's the word it's so motivating that when you're in the group and you say something and then like the other two are like yeah I'm not sure and they're like what I thought that was the case <laughs> and furiously so you have to shift things on that was on today I had to shift something that was going to take two hours because I needed to really prep for uh for what should be a simple conversation but it just goes to show I think that like we read about this stuff and talk about this stuff all the time and yet when you look into a few subjects you realize you know. Uh, there's a lot to learn, so I'm not going to say this is going to be a two-parter, but I've definitely got a lot to learn in this. I think I think you can say that pretty much for any aspect of nutrition. Yeah. But yeah, once you scratch, you know, you think you know what it what it's about. You know, what is protein? What is what is fiber? What it what is anything? But as soon as you start going below the surface, a you see that there's sometimes there isn't a consensus. There's different people with different opinions. There was an opinion 40 years ago, and that's changed now. Yeah. It's, isn't that interesting? And I think yeah, that's it is, really fascinating. It's like, and that is developing as well. Yeah. You find that in there. You find that when people are doing uh, PhDs, you can be sitting in a, in a group of 10 or 12 people all studying the same animal and, or even the same part of the animal. And suddenly you're studying the ear. Oh, what part of the ear do you study? It's no longer like, oh, I study ears. It's like, which ear? As whose ear? And what part of it? Is, the, is it just the cochlea? Is the anvil? Is it the earlobe? Is it the shape? And all this kind of stuff. And then you come out after years of studying this tiny little bit and go, you know, am I actually useful to anyone? But it is, though. Like, it's exciting to, to know there's that much to learn about stuff. And that's why people at the top, like, you know, these people that are into probiotics now, and she's all about skin flora. And she's a professor in probiotics. I mentioned this last week, I think. And uh, you know, I asked her a question on good probiotics. And she goes, oh, no, I do skin probiotics. And I'm like, you're a professor of probiotics. And they're like, oh, no, no, to be, to be somebody else for the guts. That's how, you know, that's how much there is to learn about everything. But anyway, exciting. What about you, Nick? Well, there's two things that, that, that struck me this week. The first is uh, uh, to do with Bluebell. She's got a bandage on her arm there, on her left oh, yeah. elbow. She opened it up on some on some barbed wire. Okay? She did that about a week ago, and yeah, yeah, and you know what they're like with it. They, when when they cut, sometimes it's very difficult to stitch them. So so it was about an inch long. Okay. There is a point to this, by the way. Yeah, it's about an inch long, and there was a flap, and so we decided to just bandage it and to allow it to to heal by secondary intention. So it comes in from the outside to the inside like this. Okay. And so we did that. And for a week, it just didn't really do anything. And we, we started with a bit of lucillin to keep it clean initially. But then I thought, actually, we're killing any good bacteria in the wound. I was thinking very um, broadly about yeah. this. 
that maybe maybe good bacteria actually have stimulatory effects yeah. on the closing secondary attention in the wound. It would be logical. I don't know whether it does or not, but I think it would. So we stopped using Lucille after a couple of days when we knew that it was pretty clean. She was licking it a little bit every day, but we were we were bandaging it most uh, each day. And for about a week, it didn't really do anything. It was just like open, open, open. It's about, about an inch square, size of a okay. postage stamp, essentially. And then in 24 hours, after seven days, it halved in size and started looking like it was seriously about to heal. And now we're about, uh, so now we're Tuesday, 48 hours on from there, and it's about a quarter of the size. Now, I've been studying wounds in animals for 30 years, and I should know this stuff, but I was gobsmacked by the fact that the lack of reactivity, and then all of a sudden in 24 hours, halved inside and you started to see this granulation so i just wanted to share that with you but that was the delay if i wait if i wait seven days before that starts happening what's what's thinking about for seven days that, that's exactly it because you'd have thought it would be a linear thing it would just get oh. a little bit better every yeah. day but it didn't it didn't it was look look the same look the same look the same look the same and then all of a sudden boop, i was wow. fascinated how amazing I, is that? I did think it was a linear thing. I did expect it to see better and better, drier, scabbier. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't seen a big wound. I haven't tracked a big wound on the dog. I've never had that in front of me. Uh, and somebody was saying, did it start healing after the Lucillin stopped? No, it didn't. We only used Lucillin for about the first two, three days and then stopped because I thought, I want some good bugs in there. Yeah. And then it still didn't do anything for another four days and then, whoop. So, yeah. Okay. The next one, one of them gets. Yeah, we'll try some yeah. honey, and we'll see That's what kind it. of a yeah. rate we get. What dif what difference we get? That's really good. Yeah. The, the second thing is these two dogs, even with her leg bandaged like that, Bluebell and Mouse bought a hair. We went for a walk a few days ago, Thursday in fact, and um, they managed to catch the hair. He was darting about like this, and they did manage to catch them. They don't often; most of the time, they don't. And and so they. They were, they were, they were, you know, 300 yards away, so I couldn't get them, get them to save the hair or anything like that. But they were mithering away with this hair, and I was thinking, oh, God, that's yeah. Oh, it's got a squeaker. Oh, no, he wasn't squeaking. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear any squeaking. But what happened, this is the amazing thing, and you as the behaviorist, this is why, why I want to share it with you, is that another hair came from the side of the big field directly towards the dogs who were mithering this hair to within about 20 yards until the dogs saw him and away. distracted them away from the hair that was being attacked. Yeah. Now, it that altruistic behaviour. Oh, man, that's amazing. That is amazing. I can't believe rabbits do that. I'm very, I would have thought they'd just sit there and look and go, uh oh. It's a hair. It's a hair. Yeah. But, because oh, that, hair that, even. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That, so that, that implies sympathy, uh, empathy, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, knowing that they could distract the dog away from the other hair. Yeah. And apparently, I was speaking to one of the local farmers, and he said that it's, it's quite well known that when the dogs are chasing a hare, they will tag team with another hare and that, 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 and so yeah. to give the first one a rest and then they'll tag team with another and they take it in turns like a, like a, like a relay, like a, an wow. Olympic relay. Wow. That's a recognized thing. It's a thing. 
I can't believe that. Isn't that amazing? The, the, it is amazing. I would say that the emotions that you attach to it and sympathy and empathy and those sort of words, because that's where they say, Absolutely. oh, uh, the dogs have feelings. Do dogs have feelings? Does anybody living with dogs? It's like, these are ridiculous concepts. But in the world of behavior, it's very, very complicated because you come in with the whole self-esteem theory, which is like, if that was your, you know, you're trying to preserve your, your genes and it's just like a, be like a bird flapping its wing, pretending it's got a broken wing. Lots of species do it. Um, and I won't, they would say that it's a selfish gene type thing, which really pulls away all the humanity out of animals, which is probably the wrong word to use. So this is the whole ridiculous, heated debate. That's the sort of stuff I don't like. I don't like getting into, um, is this empathy? Is this, you know, or is this just survival? Because if I do it for you, you do it for me. But look, guys, we are on patreon.com forward slash medics. And if you missed the very start, you will have missed me and Nick uh, packing ourselves in the back for the fact that we had to spend a good few hours today trying to sort this out. And I'm not sure if we're clearer or more confused, but uh, you're going to definitely hear uh, an introduction to Fiverr and that kind of thing. But it has taken us a while to get it together. Go to patreon.com uh, forward slash medics, and you can donate there. Uh, once a month is all we need. Keeps the show on the road. We do appreciate it. Okay, so so fiber. If you think fiber, you think of bran. Remember back in the day, you might maybe made up a, a, a muesli or something with with this dry, flaky material. Okay, that just you can chew forever and oh. never disappears in your mouth. Okay, that's bran. So that's that's fiber. But there's also a thing called soluble fiber. Okay, so we've got so within fiber, we've got soluble and insoluble fiber. Now, uh, the, also, the, the, I read somewhere, I can't remember where, that you have to have some um, insoluble fiber with your soluble fiber because the soluble fiber is a bit like a, a, a mesh that holds the, insol the, the soluble, yeah, the, the gel, because otherwise the gel will just run away. The, the, the insoluble fibrous fiber that keeps everything where it needs to be. So really, the, 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 the best supplements used with these things are the natural, the chia seeds, the psyllium, us, the, these things. They have a balance of both. Within, uh, within psyllium husk, for example, there is, you know, depending on who you read, 70% soluble. But you've got this backbone of insoluble yeah. brandy material keeping the whole thing together. So... Natural products here seem to win out. You can get synthetic cellulose. Yeah. You can get synthetic solubles. But Mother Nature really has got this. Yeah. You've, you've nailed a point there that had eluded me and that really helped me yesterday when you said that as we debated often these, these points. You, uh, I'm about to read out a little uh, cool, a few cool studies there of big cats and dogs. But um, they, they, the industry isolates the fiber and says cellulose. Cellulose is the completely indigestible a fiber that, you know, is the backbone of every plant on the planet. It's the most, it's when you add up any single unit of, of protein out there, cellulose makes up the most on the planet. It is incredibly tough, hard to digest. It's the skeleton for trees. Nothing can digest it, even bacteria. So the industry isolates cellulose and sells it to you as a constipation reliever. But as yourself and Bren are saying, it's actually, you need the two of them. You can't just take one on its own because it can actually result in issues. Similarly, they can take the soluble fiber and just take the inulin your soluble fiber and say, this can help with diarrhea in puppies. And it does, studies show, it does. 
but that's not a reason for using soluble fiber all the time without a product um, indigestible fiber. They work hand in hand. And it's just another nod towards the fact that you can't take these things out of the ingredients and expect them to work on their own. As any herbalist will tell you, it's usually a, a mix of things that are happening. You can't just take that single compound out. But to your point, Nick, you are spot on about the mixture of these fibers. They had a look at um, four big cats, okay? Cheetah, tiger, jaguar, and Siberian tiger. And they fed them raw beef diets, and they also, uh, of different types, but they, they changed the, the fiber to give them a small or a large amount of cellulose, which is your indigestible fiber, or a small or a large amount of beef pulp. Beef pulp has more uh, soluble fiber. Okay, so that's the, the slightly more psyllium husk of the two. Uh, and what they found was that uh, the, the cats did better when those two were mixed. And the more that they put in, so um, they, the cats did better when the, the two of them were present in the diet. Uh, and what they found was that it increased the speed of transit through the cat. The more fiber you put in there, the quicker the poos went through because more water was being sucked into the stool. So the more mm -hmm. cellulose that goes in, it reduces um, your, the digestibility of your food. So more dry matter comes out. But if you can imagine, if you mm -hmm. put loads of cellulose into your poo, and then the poo shoots out like the train that Bren's on, well, then the body has less time to digest the food. So what you find is, as you increase cellulose in the diet, is that digestion is less. It just, it's shooting past, and the bacteria are going, I wanted some of that, I wanted some of that, and it's just flying out. And if you can imagine in a carnivore, which already has a rapid system, no dead ends, smooth intestines, it comes out like a hot snot down a cold nostril anyway. It doesn't need any help. So when you put in loads of cellulose, you increase the amount of dry matter that comes out, the amount of organic matter that gets digested plummets, the amount of nutrients that are absorbed plummets, and generally the amount of poo just increases. You're just, so this is what happens when you put in a lot of fiber, indigestible fiber, into pet food. Um, so that was the, the cheetah study, but they also mentioned that when the two of them are given together, and to your point, that's better than when they're all doing on their own. Um, they also, yeah, so here's the thing about light dry food. So, so with what we've learned so far, in particular, indigestible fiber. When you look at uh, pet food, it says 2% crude fiber on the back. And crude fiber is purely the indigestible component of it. It's nothing to do with soluble fiber. Soluble fiber is not told you any more than carbohydrates or sugar or salt. Because it's in your interest not to know those things, okay? So they don't tell you soluble fiber. And that's more of just of an oversight because we've just been obsessed with indigestible fiber until 10, 20 years ago, relatively recently. They don't tell you about soluble fiber. So TDF. Total dietary fiber is what you see on human products, but crude fiber is what we get largely in pet food. So when you see 2% crude fiber, which is an average for dry food, that's actually quite a lot of crude fiber. And they need that because of the food they're feeding to the dog with the chemical preservatives and all the other stuff that might constipate the dog. So a high carbohydrate, ultra-processed diet, you would expect that to give you bone troubles. So you make sure you get in a lot of crude fiber, 2%. But if you look at the normal diet of a dog, let's say... Uh, creating their own device is 5% plant matter. Who knows? Who cares? You know, just whatever. Pick a figure, 5%. And if 10% of that plant matter was fiber, okay, you're talking about 0.5% fiber in their diet, crude fiber in their diet. Now on dry food, they're getting four times the amount of crude fiber they normally do. Okay, you can live with that. It helps the disgusting, disgusting high-carbohydrate food move to the dog and doesn't get any good issues. But light dry food has 12.5% crude fiber in it. And we haven't even started talking about soluble fiber. When you look at the ingredients of light dry food, check this out. Oh, bloody hell, I can't find it. So anyway, the first five or six ingredients of light dry food are like, you know, 
corn, uh, indigestible cellulose, bee pulp, pea bran, which is the outside shell of peas that we all know we can't digest, corn, gluten meal, all the sinners, all the fibers. So 12.5% fruit fiber. When you work it out, it's about 25% fiber because it's the same again amount of soluble fiber, give or take. So 25% of light dry food is, is fiber. And we know from studies that eating light dry food that's bulked up with this indigestible fiber results in nutrient loss in the dogs because they can't get their hands on the nutrients that are shooting through, increases the amount of poos, and it increases malnutrition in the animal. They noticed from weight loss studies where they compare them to meat-fed dogs, the, the dry-fed dogs were malnutritioned in these studies. So like, we have these studies that say these are terrible foods to feed a carnivore that has fast food. So that's what cellulose does, avoid light dry foods, but that's why you have quite a high fiber reading. That's not a normal amount of fiber to have in a carnivore's diet, I'd say. Where do you think animals, dogs normally get fiber? What's the, what would normal fiber be for a dog? Well, I think that's a great question. They will get it, uh, well, they get it from a couple of places. Unlike modern, you know, I was going to say humans, but actually modern humans, um, modern humans don't get any fiber from bone, okay? And bone is a very, very important part of fiber, of stimulating the gut, of bulking out the stool, of, it's, I think it's probably prebiotic as well, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah I'd say prebiotic. Yeah. Yeah, the bugs something to eat, so they'll get they'll get that from from bone when they're chewing bones. Um, but I think they'll also historically they will get vegetable material, mainly green, uh, pre-chewed, pre-enzymatically broken down to a certain extent um, when they eat the intestine. Now, there's quite a few studies which say dogs don't, or wolves don't eat the rumen contents. Okay, I can live with that, but what you can absolutely guarantee that a hungry pack of wolves is going to eat the entire rumen, which is going to be this deep in, you know, the tribe is going to be that deep in, in, in uh, material from the rumen. They're also going to eat the entire intestine, which is going to be containing all this digestive green uh, plant material. Yeah. So I think that one can make a very good argument for we should feed our dog a certain amount of green material. If you can have it pre-fermented with bacteria, so much the better. If you can pre-chew it, like <laughs> yeah. rabbit, yeah. <laughs> that'd be really, really great as well. Yeah. But in the real world, you, you put it in a blitzer and you add some you add some fermented veg, kimchi, or some sauerkraut, or things like this, and you're just doing your best to try and get it as, as close as possible. Any thoughts to add yeah, to that? I, I think all? that's all. That's that's exactly right. I think with the we know that dogs, we nobody can really digest 100% of any meat diet. Even if you give them a chicken breast, you get up to about 90%, 95% with white fish. But that does suggest that there is some amount of meat that you can't digest. Uh, in dog, they're better digesting meat than humans are, but still they produce waste. They, they don't get, even if you give them a pure meat diet, they will poo out some. But that's probably more to do with a transit time thing. If they held on to that diet longer, they probably would digest the whole thing because it's just an acid bath. So yeah, I think bones, that's something that's going to be hard to digest. There's got to be a heap of fiber in bones, types of fiber, heap fibers. And um, then it's going to be, li um, you know, ligament, nails, eye, hair. Hair is a big one at the moment in the raw circles. Everyone's talking about feeding sperm, feathers, and indigestibles. All made of protein, all enzymatically possible to be digested. We've got the, we've got the enzymes for it. 
but it takes a long time. You don't hold on to those things long, so generally they come out too. So yeah, I think that's carnivore fiber for sure. And when we started talking about carnivore fiber, um, there's a good study here on um, 13 captive cheetahs fed whole rabbit or just the meat from the rabbit. And um, they found that essentially, uh, the, the, um, so what they found, the first study was that they found a decrease in putrefaction products and um, increase in short chain fatty acids and all the cool things that we're looking for. And in the second study, they fed cheetahs with digestive issues fiber. They had IBS, IBD diagnosis, and they fed them um, horse meat with the fiber on the outside, the hair on the hide, and the cheetahs recovered their bowel issues compared to the, to, to the cheetahs that didn't. So yeah, that carnivore fiber is a big thing. We removed it from the diet because if a raw producer produced a bloody turkey product and those feathers hanging out of it, we would think, oh, what's going on? When you see a wolf eating, they eat some of that material. And actually, when a wolf poos, there's a plug of kind of fiber and indigested material. So the first poo is nearly like a dry, healthy foot plug. And then there's a firm poo, and then there's a softer poo behind it. So that's generally the way a wolf will eat. So I think they get the fiber from the two places. I think they have started to incorporate a tiny bit of plant matter. And um, I think they eat animals that have plant matter inside them. So a little from mm. column A and a little from column B. Hairy ears, little pieces of hide are being sold. You know, people chew chicken feet with the nails on it. That is a very fibrous piece of meat. So mm. that's all. And a prebiotic and, and probiotic. Even breast milk has a, has a probiotic. Uh, horse poo, rabbit poo, and sheep poo. Fantastic. You know, oh, absolutely yeah. perfect probiotics, also perfect prebiotics. So don't get excited if the dog uh, eats sheep poo. I would personally encourage it. I think it's a great idea. Unless they've just been wormed, in which case you, you mm. don't want your poly having a dose of ivermectin. So like the, the upsides of fibre, I just want to run through a couple of the puzzles you can get from eating fibre. Mm. Um, you can expect, when you eat fibre, and, and, and even moving away from soluble or insoluble, you know, just talking about foods with fiber in it. For humans, this is, don't forget, because we're talking about meat eaters, and me, Nick, and Brian are very confused over how much of this applies. But anyway, this is humans. Normalizes bowel movement, helps maintain bowel health, lowers cholesterol levels. Uh, okay, I'd struggle to get around that one. Helps control blood sugar levels. Nick just talked about that. Aids in achieving healthy weight, uh, because if you eat soluble, a lot of soluble fiber, it slows down the passage of digestion, so you feel, you feel fuller for longer. So that's what fiber does for you. It makes you feel fuller. And indigestible fiber swells us, so it makes your stomach feel fuller. So all good news when you're eating fiber helps you live longer. Studies show people, the more fiber you eat, the longer you're going to live. There's a downside of fiber as well. I talked about the low-fat dry food, which is scourge, and especially when studies show uh, higher protein diets do it better. But uh, fiber and the DCM in dogs, remember that, Nick, where dogs on high-fiber diets, uh, mm. that it can actually affect your bile reabsorption. And that is how you get the taurine back. So high-fiber diets, such as 2%, is already quite a high-fiber diet for a dog. But when you start lobbying into going into light dry foods and, and higher-fiber diets like that, you're talking to massively disrupting the digestion of the dog, the ability for the dog to reabsorb his taurine or cat, uh, and suddenly you have got a low taurine issue. So when you're fed a food with the lowest amount of protein legally permitted, for existing in a cage for six months, and then you lob a load of fiber into it because somebody thought that was a good idea. You wouldn't want to drop carbohydrate. That'd be madness. So that is a big problem for DCM. If you had a cat, I would definitely not feed those light dry foods. I wouldn't give them to the mother-in-law, but don't give them to cats. Uh, the boring thing is something something to be worried about. So there's pros and pros and cons to the fiber, but 
we've had that. What are we going to say, Nikia? I'm just going to say that when we say fiber, what we're not talking, what I'm not talking about is is grains. Yeah, wheat, barley. Uh, I do use oats here and there if I have to, but I don't very much. When we when I talk about fiber, I'd, I'd be interested what what you what you're meaning here, yeah. Connor. When I talk about fiber, I'm talking about vegetables. I'm talking about nuts. I'm talking about seeds. That's where we go with fiber. Okay. For me, that's fiber. Whereas we've all been taught, you've got to eat your whole meal bread. If you believe Davis with wheat belly, he's saying whole wheat bread is better than highly refined, slimpsier type bread or sunless bread, but it is full of wheat and therefore it is doing you very many bad yeah. things. It's promoting insulin, promoting diabetes, promoting uh, obesity, all these things. So. The best place to get fiber, nuts, seeds, and lots of vegetables. I totally agree with that. I think it's absolutely um, disgusting that the breakfast cereal companies, such as, well, I do not name them, but one of them was recently in the news because the UK Parliament was saying, we need to reduce obesity in kids, so let's target sugary breakfast cereals. I like to say, Kellogg's, uh, that sugary breakfast cereals make us money. That's not fair. Uh, so this was uh, something that you'd see them doing all the time. But other companies make sugary cereals, such as Nestle. Uh, and this, now they add in the front of it, now with vitamin D and fiber. Fiber is good for health. Ignore the fact it's on this high-octane sugary mess of a, of a product. Uh, but they put in a bit of fiber because it's good for your dog, for your kid. But give me a break. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think get whole foods for fiber and not going after certain things. And um, I think that's probably a good idea. I don't like, look, I'm not going to let a fiber conversation go without promoting my own fiber supplement. So this is too right. Okay, so Nick likes psyllium husk, okay, because psyllium husk contains lots of soluble fiber. So if your dog has an anal gland issue, uh, there's two things going on there in my book. One is your dog has probably got too many soft poos, not a lot of expression of the anal glands. I think there's always a bit of digestive unease going on there, the wrong diet. So that's the first. And the second thing is there's a bit of inflammation going on there. Psyllium pus bulks up a poo. It's more soluble fiber than insoluble fiber. So it does what the chia seeds does. And it makes those softer poos a little bit bigger, a little bit more substance to them. So when they pass over the anal glands at four and eight o'clock, you get a bit more of an expression, which is a good thing if infection is ahead of you. So you need better expression of the anal glands. As Nick would say, you can only accept nines out of 10, nine and tens out of 10 poos. So on a poo scale of one to 10, Perfect foods all the time. That's what you want. If you've got soft foods, lads, you're going to get digestive issues like anal glands. It's wonderfully effective. But the point about steroid is it's a whole product. It's a certain seaweed that we import that is massively high in soluble fiber. And so it, it works absolutely wonderfully. But psyllium husk will do it. So if your dog has anal gland issues, the first thing is to do is to, is to sort out the diet and get those poos firm. Adding in fiber is a plaster on gangrene. Okay, so it's a, it's a, it's a stopgap. To help you get to the bottom of <laughs> get to the bottom of it, um, so that's a brilliant pun. But uh, so people want to just live on steroid and ignore the fact that the dog has soft poos all the time. I would push the dog through and get him onto a good diet, a well-rounded diet, and try to make those poos firm without products. If you're adding in products, get a perfect poo like dry food has to do with crude fiber. I think you can do better than that. I would highly recommend steroid, but I would because I own. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Amazing. You know what? I think we should do fiber again, because when we talk about fiber, we're talking mainly about humans and fiber, because we're, we're omnivores, so we, we require yeah. fiber. But, but, but dogs, 
most of their fiber comes from bones. And so I think there's probably, well, I hope there's some, some research out there and we can talk about how, how does uh, fiber, dog's fiber, i.e. bony material and claws and teeth and what have you, and fur, how does that impact the, the gut? What, what, what effects are there there? But also, how does that change the microbiome? Because yeah. the microbiome of the dog is going to be more specialized. It's going to be less less broad than a human. We're, we're omnivores, so we need broad. And with, with the humans, the broader your, your spectrum of bugs in your yeah. gut, the better it is. But if you're a specialist, you need specialist, specialist bugs. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to go there. And I'm, they I'm haven't, uh, uh, Brent, he is he's jumping at the bit yeah, to jump in. But look, guys, we are on patreon.com forward slash Medics. If you missed the very start, you will have missed me and Nick uh, packing ourselves in the back for the fact we had to spend a good few hours today trying to sort this out. And I'm not sure if we're clearer or more confused. So, guys, if you can afford the price of a cup of tea or a pint, uh, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash Medics, and you can donate there. Uh, once a month is all we need. Keeps the show on the road. We do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. See you yeah. in seven days. Can't wait. Good to Blind, <laughs> <laughs>